Garçon, coffee. Welcome to the Coffee and Death Six podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. And what is perhaps becoming a new year-end tradition, Danny and I are going to be providing a commentary track for one of our favorite films. Probably has been referenced most on this podcast, even more so than any of the Star Wars movies. And that is 1998's The Big Lebowski. We are recording this on New Year's Eve. I have it lined up on netflix unfortunately it's leaving netflix today but this is one of those movies that pops among streaming services so if you've either never seen it or you want to rewatch it keep your eyes open for it's on peacock a lot because it's a universal picture netflix showtime it kind of like bounces around among those three different platforms and i know danny has it on a he actually has it on a dvd i was afraid mine wouldn't work but danny's got his alive and kicking and we're gonna get into it danny thoughts Oh no no I I just I have nothing I have I just made a noise I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well we have plenty to say we'll just wait till yes. after we hit. All right so ours are both at 000, zero, zero mm-hmm. and on the count of 3 we're going to hit play. Or no I'll say 3 go. That's how we'll do it. Perfect. 1 2 3 go. All right. And speaking of there's that universal logo. So as I tend to like to start this thing, what is your relationship with this movie? When did you first see it? On television. Oh. Around the same time, um, I saw Miller's Crossing on some cable channel that we had, like the Fox movie channel or so- something. Um, before there were apps, there were uh, channels. And I remember seeing Miller's Crossing and The Big Lebowski in the span of about a week or so and that one two punch of the big lebowski i saw first and it was the scene in the car um where the dude is explaining to the big lebowski and brant why uh, you know the royal the royal we man like he's talking about all the cases with and they're just like what in god's name are you blathering about (laughs) and i remember sitting there and thinking like wow you can like just movies can sound like this like can just sound like people talking like this is this is great and so those are my first two coen brothers movies oh that's a that's a good back-to-back i am a huge huge miller's crossing fan that's one of my favorites i i I think they're still it's hard it's it's very hard to rank the coen brothers movies because essentially every single one of them is good but uh yeah this was a i was in high school i think freshman or sophomore year so I was like a perfect age for it. And it was before really being on the internet all the time. So it really did genuinely feel like I'd stumbled across a movie that other people didn't know about. And then you get older and you talk to people and like, oh, you've seen it too. So I still got to that like experience of not seeing it in theaters, not being aware of it, and then just stumbling across it um, like a tumbling tumbleweed. And it's nice. just... Uh, slowly finding other people who had seen it you know getting to college and like you and i oh, talking, yeah. talking about it and just yeah it was um yeah it was a great little discovery and yeah there was definitely a moment where i was like i want to live this life like this looks like the way to be <laughs> i am danny commented i am fittingly we're recording this in the morning i am wearing my bathrobe i was going to take it off and i thought i'm going to leave it on in honor of the dude 
Um, yeah, I saw this early, actually. This is in my that freshman year of high school. I saw so many of the all-time greatest movies. And I think this one, more so than the top 250 list or the Coen brothers made it, my first awareness, as was often the case, was it being featured on I Love the 90s. I loved those VH1. I love the 80s. I love the 70s. I love the 90s. And a lot of these movies were talked about, and I had either barely heard of them or never heard of them. And this was one I had never heard about. And they're going on and on and on. The guy who was, um, he was on a Fox sitcom and he was on the Gotham show. I can't think of his name. Good. He's got a good face with a beard. He's a, the poor Donald man. Lowe. You got it. Donald, Thank you. Perfect. Yes. He was particularly, this aggression will not stand. Uh, he was in particular <laughs> uh, obsessed with this movie and talked and talked and talked about it. So I said, all right, I'll check it out. And the thing I think about most when I see this movie, and I, I totally agree with the sentiment. This is one of those movies that people say it gets better each time you see it. It takes a few times to really like it. I definitely agree. It gets better the more you watch it because you pick up on a lot of new things. But I loved this movie the first time. It was mm -hmm. love at first sight. I immediately just the toe. It's like, I think this is the most particular movie ever made. There's like no other movie quite like it. Like yeah. that has this dialogue and plot and the delivery of the actors. It's, it's just like its own thing that is sometimes right. You see movies sometimes you're like, Oh, it's kind of like the big Lebowski, but nothing is ever quite like the big Lebowski. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's a film for the people. It's just, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a wonderful, I've seen people. I know lots of people that haven't seen it and anyone who I know, if you don't like the movie, you just haven't seen it enough times. Like just watch it again. You know, because yep. even people I meet who say, oh, I don't really like that movie. I like this part. And that part was funny. I hear that. And I think you're almost there. You just have to watch it a couple more times. <laughs> and that, that usually is a bad thing. Like, you, yeah. oh, you have to, you know, when people say, oh, it's a great show. You just have to, you know, wait. Till Correct. That's, That's usually it. a negative connotation. I agree. Yeah. This is different. This is it's not that it's. Not that it's like dense and complicated and you don't, I love that line, yeah. uh, that you don't um, appreciate it the first time. It's just that it's just weird. It's a weird movie. For and sure. that's something I forget because I've seen it uh, so many times. I remember when we watched it with my one vacation, my parents said, you guys are always talking about this movie. Let's watch it. And all of us were just a tiny bit tense because when my dad, especially my dad, when my dad does not like a movie, you hear about it. Like, yes, yes. He, you are aware that he is shifting in his seat and grumbling and just not not abiding uh, the buffoonery. But basically, after these credits, uh, that first scene with the three with the three of them at the at sitting um, at their seats, my parents were howling with laughter and it's a weird movie. And when you watch it with someone for the first time, you remember how weird and strange it is, but it wins you over just with it's, it's just wonderful. Like this opening sequence, this, this like lowers my blood pressure, like this sequence, just like all these guys just bowling and they're just like living their life. Liam. I love Liam. He's like one of my favorite characters. This guy, um, the Jesus is like uh, Lieutenant, like his right hand man. 
Yes, yes, yes. I just, oh, uh, yeah, I, it's just it's just relaxing. His little dance he does. <laughs> I just saw Flea's name in the credits. Yes. I I did not know who that man was until yesterday. I talked to my <laughs> my brother in law, and he said, "You don't know who Lee uh, Flea is." I said, "No, I I don't think people believe me when I tell them how little I know about music." So he said, "Oh my god, I'm aware, I'm aware of how little you." Know. Okay. Yes, I know you know, but you'll have to point out which one. I know he's one of the members of Aut Autobahn. Um, I'm uh, surprised you don't recognize Flea from his role as one of the kidnappers in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the hit Disney Plus streaming show. Oh, my God. I can see the face now. Yes. That's so cool. what a weird. Why is he in that? And he was the voice of Donnie on the Wild Thornberries. I don't well, know if you watched that program. I never did. No, but I know what it is. And it's, that makes sense. Him being in this makes sense, especially for the character he's playing, but being one of Obi-Wan's kidnappers. Um, oh, just in case we're talking again the next time, but the, I don't know, what's Wu's partner's name? The blonde, the blonde man in the beginning? I don't know, if, I don't know Wu's partner's name. It's Wu and then there's the other guy. The other guy is Jacob on Lost. He plays a critical character in the final two seasons of Lost and I can't take him seriously anytime I see him. Man. But yeah, this scene, I don't want to even say this anything. Uh, this was a valued... Uh... <laughs> yes, the introduction of these... First of all, I love the framing of this shot. It's Roger Deakin shoots this movie. This movie looks way better than it should. It like Excellent cinematography for this bizarre comedy, but... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try to refrain from doing that. This oh my I have watched this this scene uh, 4,000 times. I'll yes. watch this scene on YouTube every yes. once in a while. Just yes. the... I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand. Cross <laughs> you do not. Also, dude. <laughs> oh, man. The contradictions <laughs> of both Walter and the dude. Yes. Some of my favorite things in the movie. I don't know the dude's full politics. I feel like I could... I mean, obviously, I ultimately know where he is, but then there's little things like he has Richard Nixon. He's a poster of Richard Nixon, but he's bowling. Bowling, no, I think I think it's. I think that's the joke. It's like an ironic. Yeah. yeah, the dude. I love the dude because he he's obviously like a guy, a child of the '60s, like a lot of like he's a hippie. Yeah, but the '60s ended, and he's displaced, and he's displaced. But instead of getting like. A working stiff instead of going straight like a lot of hippies he just decided to just you know do nothing for the rest of his life and i uh he's obviously have some source of income because he money doesn't seem to be like an issue for him really um and i just i just think his politics are he cared about a lot of this stuff you know he's the author of the Port Huron statement, its original version, not the compromise. <laughs> <laughs> Watered down second draft. That's a great line. Yep. Um, but he just like he can because of where he is, he can just kind of afford to to just do nothing, and he abides. So like, yes, his best friend is a <laughs> like neocon, insane like right wing lunatic, but he loves him. 
Like, what's how can you not love? He's Walter? also living in a previous time period, which I love. And exactly. then their third best friend is just a normal guy who has grown up and evolved as the world has evolved. Yeah, I, I think Walter has the security shop. That's what that's where he yep. gets his money from. Yep. Johnny, I think, runs an auto shop. I think. I think it's like, I think he has. He's like an auto mechanic. That sounds right. Yep. And the dude's probably like comes from money, like or, you know, I mean, he's like he's like the wayward third son of a a well-off family or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, or he's just on benefits. I don't know. That's one of the things I love about this movie is these three men, they're just buddies because they love to bowl together. And that's yeah. why he's got the Nixon poster. He probably didn't vote for Nixon. Um, right. Nixon, obviously. Nixon's he, a bowler. How can you he not? He seems positive about Nancy in this scene too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> when she was the we first lady of the nation. Um, I always, um, and the, 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 the fact that this movie is set in nine. It, it doesn't, but that is set the movie, during the Gulf War. It's set I, during the Gulf War, which yeah. ultimately does not matter at all. It's just so that the dude can see HW saying that on television and then <laughs> parrot it. That's the thing he does the whole movie. He just yes. hears something and then parrots it later. Um, but I I do think it's kind of interesting that it's 1991. It's like the last, it's the start of the last like real decade. And here are these guys that are completely out of time who like they live through the most like exciting events in recent american history and they're just they just bowl like they don't they don't do anything they just bowl and hang out it's uh it's it's great and then there's then there's the big lebowski who is also out of time um but he just happens to be successful but as you said the bums lost so why is why is the dude still pretending uh that the way he lives is normal Yeah, we've talked over, well, obviously we'll talk a lot more about John Goodman and Walter because that's, I don't know, It's I, I love the dude and Walter probably equally, but I don't know, Walter is one who I kind of think about more and is one of my favorite movie characters. But we got all these great little other characters like Brandt, played by the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, another one who's just, there are choices made for his character. I don't really know what it's, <laughs> they're supposed to be, but they are very particular and memorable. Yes. And every line delivery he has is absolutely perfect. There's a moment later when Mr. Lebowski's in seclusion in the West Wing and he's talking to the dude. You can see Brant in the background and he is, Phil Seerhoffman is standing with his hands in the most awkward posed. I'll point it out when we, when we get to it. It's just, this movie's full of like all these great little details. That's what, that's what, that's what makes movies good. That's what makes movies like this rewatchable is all the little details. Um, and I love that the Coen brothers scripts are so specific and they sound like they're improvised, but they're not like all these stutters and stammers and the big Lebowski saying, yes, yes. Like that's all from the script. That's like, what, yeah. Goodman and uh, Bridges talk about that all the time. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we, you would assume so, but every utterance is in the screenplay. Like they catch you if you, if you throw like a wrench into their dialogue, they're like, "Don't do that." Like everything's in there for a reason. Peter Stormare tells a great story about the, his line in Fargo: "We go to pancake, we go to pancakes house." Go to pancake house, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, that's that's probably the pancake house." So when they shot it the first time, he said, "We go to the pancake house." And like Peter, why are you saying the pancake house? He's like, "Well, I'm, it says pancakes house in the script, but I assume you mean the pancake house." And they're like. No, no, we mean Pancake's house. 
don't change don't change the dialogue. <laughs> Everything was chosen specifically for a reason. And nice. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so do we get two parrot lines here? Yeah, the aggression will not stand. He says that. And then is John Goodman already said his wife probably owes money all over town. Yep. Yep. So yep. yeah, that's and then they're gonna kill that poor woman. That's a big one. Any parrots. Uh. <laughs> Old man said I could take any rug in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Did I this make is, your rug, sir? This is a scene I quote all the time. Do you have a cat? Is there a cash machine? I say that often. <laughs> yeah, and this is one of those. So yeah, you were saying so like Mary, for example, she's watched this either two or three times with me now, and she likes it more. And she's hot and cold on it, though. Mm -hmm. But then I'm always quoting it, and it gets a laugh. And it's like, what's that from? It's from The Big Lebowski. So, like, but it is weird. I think the bizarreness of the plot, and it's like a untidy beginning, middle, and end. There's nothing really. It's it, So the, the premise is, what if a kind of a buffoon is caught up in, like, a film noir Los Angeles 1930s plot? Yes. And then even that plot is like ridiculous. On but again, yeah, the film noir plot doesn't matter at all because no. Kiss Kiss Bane Bane is the same thing. What if an idiot yes. was involved in like a Raymond Chandler novel? Right. But it's still like a good mystery. Like you still want to know the mystery. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> that reaction is so good. Wonderful woman. <laughs> it's funny that it's Tara Reid too. Yes. Because this is before, I'm going to go find a cash machine. This is one year before American Pie, I believe. Or yeah. the same year as American Pie. I think it's one, I think American Pie was 99. I've never seen American Pie. Really? Yeah. It, it actually, Pie like, it, it, it's not, it, it certainly is of its era, both in terms of the type of humor, uh, yeah. the look, the soundtrack, but the humor is actually still kind of there. I watched it, I watched them all like two, three years ago, and they're not bad. Um, How many are there? So I only watched the ones like with the main cast. So there's four of them. They made two, there they made three immediately, American Pie, American Pie 2, and American Wedding. And then like 10 years later, they made American Reunion. And oh. that one is even like, okay, it's, it's hmm. not that bad. Um, but they are, like I said, so specific to that brand of like late 90s. Although it also kind of started it. American Pie was like the first of those revamped yeah. comedies. Like that was of our kind of for our generation. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. The guy that plays Smokey. I know. Where did they find him? I think he's a musician. He's like just a working musician. Um, I think if you're, I think his genre is like bluegrass. So I'm sure if you watch this with like a bluegrass head, they'd be like, Hey, that's so-and-so. Okay. I, I did see a great interview with him where they said, were you over the line? And he says, only I know that. And Ethan and Joel don't even know that. <laughs> like he, he in his mind decided whether or not he was really over the line or not and just won't tell anybody. <laughs> and so this movie is already bizarre, but we're 18 minutes in and a character's pulling a gun out in a bowling alley. I think that's, that's the first like, what is this movie yes. moment? 
<laughs> Although peeing on the rug is a good start for that too. Well, I'm watching the movie with I, I don't have the sound on. Yeah. And I of course know everything that's happening, but with the sound off, yeah, this is insane. Like, like he's talking to David Huddleston in a in a wheelchair, and now John Goodman is brandishing <laughs> he's brandishing a firearm during league play, and it's just like, oh, I love the voice. Yeah, the voicemail yeah. is awesome. Um, Which, as you know, is a violation of a number of our of the league bylaws. <laughs> Forget the law; <laughs> it's a violation of the league bylaws. Uh, man. So why this movie? I dabbled in pacifism at one point myself, not during Nam, of course. That's um, This movie also holds a special place in my heart for the bowling perspective. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but my family, my grandfather owned a candle pin bowling alley in Westfield. So while it's not yeah. ten pin, uh, so I grew up at a bowling alley with some rough around the edges people uh who are not as polished as <laughs> and so like guys like Smokey and uh the Jesus's right hand man those two guys are like those guys are just there you know yes and I did a I bowled in an adult league when I was like I don't know 16 17 so there were some characters and actually there was a guy who looked a lot like Jeff Bridges in this movie he, he was the complete opposite persona <laughs> but he yeah. looked just like him. Um, and his name was Jeff, actually. No way. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. And he did smoke a lot of weed, so they had that in common. But yeah. But he was more, but I think he had more Walter's personality than he did yes. uh, the dudes. And we had a carpet that looked almost, almost exactly. <laughs> did it tie the room together? You really tied the room together. Did it not? Yeah, I work at a... um. I work at, uh, yeah, there's the Nixon, the Nixon poster. <laughs> yeah. And I do think this is, that's the dude's joke of like, I'm a yeah. big hippie and I love bowling, but this is a funny picture. Cause yeah. Nixon was who I think, I feel like this is one of those urban legends that has different versions. He wasn't who put the bowling alley in the white house, but he like expanded it and modified it. Or is it just, yeah, he was the one like who put it in. No, I think he expanded it and modified it. Just okay. like he he didn't put the troops in Vietnam, but he expanded it and <laughs> voted <in> Laos. <laughs> uh, he's this is one of my favorite characters. Yes, I quote, "It's the tenth already, all the time." <laughs> oh, white Russians! So yeah, white, white um, Russians. Yeah. Never. I was not a drinker until I boringly like turned twenty-one years old. But yeah. one of my first go-to's was, "Well, I need to try a white Russian." It was solely yeah. for from this film yeah it's one of those like anytime i hear that drink i it's, yep. i'm thinking of this movie what are your thoughts on the white russian kevin i enjoy a white russian oh well, i think that they're disgusting but oh really <laughs> yeah. i actually i like they're just so heavy they are and yeah. it's like I, yeah yeah it's a good um i used to do this now it's like well now i don't want all that all those calories it's like a million calories in it with the yeah. Yeah. cream um, but I would have it like at night every once in a while. And it's like, oh, that's like a nice, it's almost like a dessert. Yeah, it's yeah. a meal. It yeah. is a meal. That's the thing. It's really heavy. It's like it doesn't go with anything. So drinking it just on its own is like when I see it at a wedding. And I did excitingly order it at a wedding like the first time I was of age at a wedding. But now when I see people order it, it's like, why are you getting that? That is yeah. the last thing on earth I would want to be drinking at this venue. 
my brother Tommy and I quote this scene all the time to each other. Yeah. What is it that makes a man? The, the, my brother's favorite part is the, you mock me, sir. <laughs> but perhaps you are right. <laughs> this is my elf. This is my favorite of the dude's outfits. He, this looks so comfy. Yes. The pajamas and the, um, and the Japanese baseball shirt. He yeah. looks so cozy. I do like the color combination of the. Well, he has a lot of nice browns and beiges. That, oh yeah, that look Absolutely. good with his hair color as well. Yes. But yeah, that, this looks like a. It looks like a baseball shirt. Yeah, this was the first. So Jeff Bridges in his the latter half of his career is known for doing a role, and that role basically becoming his personality for the rest for like ten years. This was the first one of those. Like he was like a rakish, like kind of. Uh, like 70s 80s not a hunk but he was yeah. he was the handsome guy he was the clean shaven yeah like fabulous he, baker boys uh yes, yeah yes. like that era yeah he, he he was really good looking but he looked like a good looking guy you could actually like encounter in the world then he's the dude and then he just becomes the dude and then a couple then like 10 12 years later crazy heart he adds crazy heart and rooster cogburn to his repertoire so now yes. he's like this wonderful combination of the dude and Rooster Cogburn. <laughs> oh, did you see the clip from last year? It was like an actor's round table. There he is. There, see, look at Brant. He's just standing motionless. <laughs> he gives <laughs> the ransom note to the dude, and then he just like stands motionless because he has no instructions. He's like C-3PO. Um, I'm sorry, the actor's round table. Oh, that's okay. There was a it was with Pedro Pascal, um Kieran and Colkin. And few other people. Oh. And Jeff Bridges is talking to Pedro Pascal, who's talking more about uh because was, this was after The Last of Us. Oh, I think it was, oh. a, it was a TV actors round table because he had that show last year on FX. I can't it was like the old man something. He played like a retired CIA person or something. I can't I'll tell you the name of it. Anyway, yeah. so he is uh Pedro Pascal is talking about his experience adapting. The Last of Us, and Jeff Bridges sets up this great joke. He's like, "Oh, a couple of years ago, I was really into video games too," and no one gets it. And he just goes, "They're like, oh, what game?" He's like, "Tron." <laughs> He's like, "I was in Tron." Get like the joke. I was literally in a video game, and no one, even after he delivers the punchline, I still don't think anyone got the joke. Uh, it's perfectly set up. Good. I'll set it to you after. It's a, oh. This All might right. be the best edited sequence in movie history. <laughs> yes. This is like and this the, is the, the visuals and the music and the cutting in this in this introduction scene is perfect. Well, so many of these jokes that recurring jokes in this movie. So this is set to Hotel California, but done mm -hmm. in Spanish, which is Gypsy Kings. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Who's this thing? Who's this? The Gypsy Kings. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. And then there's me, Eagles. The Romani joke. Kings. I, I excuse me. That's thank you. <laughs> Um, but then there's a joke about the Eagles later, yes. but like, I love that this isn't the Eagles because it's the Jesus. So they add the Spanish twist to it. Um, all right. I got to look up that Jeff Bridges show. Cause it's going to drive me. The, it's just called the old man. Oh, okay. And I heard it was good. It looked, it had a John Lithgow was in it also. Um, it had a good oh, cast. Man. That sounds wonderful. I love John Lithgow. Yeah. He's a, he lives off the grid something and an assassin and he gets like brought back into the game oh 
it looked good. It was something a little different for Bridges that we haven't seen in recent. Although he he was really good in um, Hell or High Water too. That had a good yes. That's a great movie. Very very good movie. He's really good in R.I.P.D. with Ryan Reynolds. That's a fantastic film. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that Walter. I think my favorite aspect of this scene is that Walter does not speak to the Jesus. It's the nope. one character he does not run his mouth off to. <laughs> yep. He just gives him that great look where his, his head's tilted and his yep. hands are clasped. Yeah, that's why remember when they remember when John Turturro made this that sequel, The Jesus Rolls? I was hoping to watch it before you I should, know. I'm never I'm never going to watch it. I, that trailer dropped and it's like a movie. It looked like it was about like him, like him struggling to make it or something. And I'm thinking eight year olds, like th this guy's literally a pedophile <laughs> making a movie about him. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of redemption type thing with that character. He's an extended a... cameo. Like yeah. he's not a character. He's just, he's, he's just a fun. Rutgers he's not a real character. He's just a fun, uh, over the top character from the Big Lebowski. That's it. Yeah, eight year olds dude is another staple quote that I use. That fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. The Lennon gag and yeah, <laughs> Donnie thinks yes. he's talking. Me, I Lennon. Lennon, 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 Lennon. <laughs> yeah, his his interjections to Donnie in this scene are particularly good. Life does not stop and start at your convenience, you miserable piece of shit. That, you, that when he's when they're doing the voiceover of of the Jesus going door to door, and you hear Donnie interject, <laughs> and in the voiceover, Walter says, "Shut the fuck up, Donnie." Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're like a child who walks into the middle of a movie. <laughs> I think my favorite interjection is when they're watching the what have you and shut the fuck up, and he just like. <laughs> Lowers his head during it. Oh man, I like when he's lighting a cigarette and he just goes, Donnie, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, Liam, I love Liam. Yeah, look, he's just he has such a funny face. It's just like a very he's a great bowler. He wants to win, and I'm sure he doesn't approve of what the Jesus was, you know, and uh, in San Quentin for. <laughs> That's just like your opinion, man. That's, of course, one of the. <laughs> I was like yeah. the test that Jesus clearly like is interested in Johnny. Like yes. he thinks Johnny's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the framing of the three of them sitting with each is just it's perfect every single time. Donnie yeah. in the background with his head turned, it says a lot and yeah. Yeah, I would say it's Han, Luke, and Leia. <laughs> Dr. Grant, Dr. Malcolm, Dr. Sattler, and then these three, as far as like iconic really, yeah, film trios. Like they're just <laughs> and there isn't much with Donnie. He it's mostly no how Walter treats him. And well, he also has his how behind he is in the conversation. That's his good like character trait. Phone's ringing, dude. He seems like a good guy, um, who did not at all lead as interesting a life as his two friends have. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just kind of likes to bowl and, uh, they, they could be a lot nicer to him because the dude is not like super nice to him. 
Like the dude also ignores him. Yep. Walter's just the one that uh, says for him to shut the fuck up. Right. Also might be one of the best LA movies. It's a very well shot LA movie for sure. It, because it, it takes place to LA's two different cities. There's LA during the day and there's LA at night. And LA at night's the movie LA. It's like the, you know, it's when it looks magical and it, it feels like anything could happen. Think of like heat, La La Land, all the scenes where they're like dancing at night on the empty streets. But the Big Lebowski, it's like almost all during the day when LA is just this weird, like desert dump that's just like at the end of America. Yeah. And that's, it's just like, it's weird. Like these are all the weirdos that live in Los Angeles. Well, I just watched, you know, Matchstick Men. I was texting you that I watched yes. it. That was a very well, that had a great LA vibe to it too. Another like daytime LA movie. Yeah. Like not not at night with the shining lights and the all the neon. It's it's like during the day when it's like weird and sad and lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's got his little belly. Like he's great. Yeah. He just is like a very believable guy. Oh, here's another parrot line. Dude. Dude. Life is in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, another thing to talk about it's like a big appeal in what people think about when they think of this movie who are like casual fans yes like, oh it's the stoner movie and i feel like that's a misconception obviously it's a big part of the dude's character yeah he's high the whole movie but like it's not a stoner movie like no. it's not about getting high it's just he is high <laughs> and i love you were saying this earlier this is so great that that's all you need to see. He doesn't ever talk about his job, but he picks him up here and it's like, oh, he has a little disgusting security gun shop in downtown Los Angeles. Yes. Like that's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, the little subtle ways they tell you, like, what is it that these guys do when they're not bowling or involved in a a kidnapping scheme? <laughs> <laughs> the dirty undies do the whites. <laughs> I'm, now I remember, I saw this movie, and then I watched. I, I saw this. Um, there was like a, I had like a great stretch where I was watching like movies like this, Coen Brothers movies, um, and spaghetti westerns. Like I watched a ton of spaghetti westerns, and I got the DVD for Once Upon a Time in the West. Yep. And there's a great documentary on it where a bunch of people talk about how that's such a great movie, and it is a great movie. It's also a fucking snooze fest, but that's for a separate podcast. But they're talking about the movie. And of course, one of the people they interview is John Milius. And he's at his big desk with his like hunting rifle and his aviator glasses and uh, his like cigars. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, this guy looks exactly like Walter from The Big Lebowski. Like exactly like Walter. And it seems like he's he would probably agree with Walter, like politically. <laughs> and then I go on IMDb and I find out that's they they literally based it off of their friend. John Milius like they were friends with John Milius and they thought it'd be funny if they put John Milius in a movie um, and I love that, that 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 this is John Milius and people have who know John Milius have said who have seen the Big Lebowski have said oh yeah that movie's hilarious because if you know John that's a, that is exactly what he's like <laughs> yeah it's I, I didn't know much about I think I again it was some documentary or movie show I was watching and John Milius was interviewed for it. It wasn't like about him. He was just a yeah. participant. 
and I had the same reaction. I went, oh my God, <laughs> that's Walter. Walter. I had no idea, but it makes so much sense when you know, because again, his character is so unique that it's like he must have had some sort of inspiration. Yes. So there you go. And, and the it's dude like, is also allegedly based on a few different, like there is a guy who's kind of like the dude, but they've said that he's not like him, yeah. if I remember correctly. But Walter is definitely John Milius. Yeah. And I think what's what, what makes Walter work is that, yes, obviously, if the dude is left-wing, Walter is, is probably right-wing. You know, and Johnny's in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But like, he's not right-wing in like, like he smokes, he drinks, he has like a complete lack of respect for authority. He's he's like he he's a very particular kind. He's like he's his politics are like John Milius. Like he's basically he's like a he's like a Zen like fascist. <laughs> well, right, because he that's I love all these little contradictions because yes. he he also takes offense to the dude calling. Yes. Ooh, a Chinaman. So it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like that's not the preferred nomenclature, dude. Yeah, but the dude is a liberal who's also like, yeah, yeah. the Chinaman. You know, like yeah, exactly. so I, I just love they're just yeah, they're just slubby guys who never have really, no idea what the fuck they're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Walter later quotes Theodore Herzl. That's Theodore another. Herzl. Oh yeah, Walter's <laughs> very he's very pro-Israel. He's, he's He's a convert, right? The Polish story. Catholic Walter. Yeah, he's Polish Catholic, but he converted when he married Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia is one of the, um. I'd love to make a list of characters who like you never meet, but I wish you met. Cynthia is one of them. The yes. other is Michael Scott's mother gets referenced yes. on The Office four thousand times, and there yes. is never one episode with his mother, which I I don't get. They even but see 200 episodes of that show. i kind of like that even when that show got really bad someone was thinking we should never see michael's mom like uh, uh, yeah again my dad was howling <laughs> yeah oh similarly i watched this with my my mom and my stepdad my mom loves this movie tom is like hot <laughs> he's like hot and cold with it he's kind of yeah. like but he later when the dude flicks his um pot uh, try to get it out the window and it comes back and it sets it on fire and then he pours it out with the beer he laughed some of the hardest i've ever seen him laugh yeah. it's like he's drinking and smoking and driving and trying to get rid of the fire with his beer that's awesome uh, hysterical yeah this is great too. yeah it's a good mix of physical comedy yes situational comedy and but mostly the dialogue you didn't think i was rolling out of here naked did you do <laughs> So again, as if you've never seen this movie before, the plot right now is they are trying to, they believe Tara Reed has been kidnapped and they're trying to pocket the money themselves. Yes. Because the dude gets asked to be courier to drop off the money. Well, I think the but, dude is going to drop off the money and then take the reward take, money. Oh, it's Walter who throws Walter in the ringer. Walter has yeah, decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has decided. But, it was a, but as we later learned, it's a ringer for a ringer and bunny isn't even kidnapped anyway right so this whole movie's like so what was that about well it, yeah. it was a lot walter, of fun yeah walter just doesn't care and this is the this is the famous scene that we have we have yes. sampled numerous times and referenced numerous times in the podcast they're gonna kill that poor woman yeah like right now what what exactly is the problem he has no sense of because <laughs> this was a man in vietnam who watched 
people murdered by yeah, the right the man in the yeah. black pajamas that was really <laughs> adversary worthy fucking adversary dude <laughs> that poor slut <laughs> he interjects that <laughs> and yet he's right walter is right the entire time he doesn't know that he's right correct he's not right about being right like he's oh and i always love that part because they're bowling and i remember thinking like oh that's sad they're bowling without donnie so i love when donnie runs in yes. and just posts, i'm like oh they i love that in the wake of their botched <laughs> kidnapping uh exchange they decided to go bowling and walt <laughs> someone probably not the dude because the dude's too wired up walter thought to call donnie like let's get let's get we can't just we can't bowl without donnie that's nice but then <laughs> they treat him like shit I don't. Uh, I don't drive a car. I don't. <laughs> and I sure as shit don't fucking roll. <laughs> what do you call him? That kraut at the league office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's his name again? Yeah. Yeah. When he's. Yeah. You tell that fuck. And then wait. What's his name again? It's a German name. You tell that kraut. <laughs> <laughs> he's like. Um, he. Oh, what's? Oh, why can't I think of what's the name of the. Uh, the studio head in the Godfather, Walt. Oh, Rob, Robert Evans. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> the guy in the movie, Jack Jack Waltz. Yeah. Jack Waltz. Uh, oh calls, yes, I know what you're. He, yep. He calls Tom. He calls Tom like a goomba or something like that. A guinea. He calls him a guinea. Um, content warning, whatever. Um, so sorry, I uh, can say that word, Danny. Okay, Kevin can say that, and I can say the next one. Tom says, "I'm German Irish." And Jack Waltz, not missing a beat, says, well, let me tell you something else, my Kraut Mick friend. <laughs> like, yeah. He like, might I be the best the, character in that movie. I know the slur for every ethnicity, so don't you worry. <laughs> yes. Uh, my fucking undies. <laughs> you did park in the handicapped spot, did you not? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's what I'm It's like Walter has no respect, but he's also like, that's not for you, dude. Like, you're not supposed to park there. Right. Oh, and we talked over. They're gonna kill. They're gonna kill that oh, poor woman. As he's as he's getting his shirt on, uh, one sleeve at a time. Phone's ringing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great movie! This is one of my favorites. I feel like every scene is one of my favorite scenes, but this is truly. Hey, at least he got the CCR back. <laughs> no, wait, what? Um, the Credence. The Credence tapes. Yeah, the the disgust on the uh, the black officer's <laughs> face. Just his like this this, yeah. this apartment is disgusting. This man is a clown, and then the other guy is just like, oh, separate incidents. Like he gets yeah, so he excited. Gets, like, he's so interested. <laughs> like, oh, what have I stumbled into? Yeah, he has all the pop paraphernalia right on the. One time at UMass, uh, there was a one of our neighbors in Puffton. I don't yes. know what happened, but there was some sort of girl showed up and wanted to fight another girl or something or other. And she called the police mm. and she came into our place and was kind of frantic. So it was maybe just me or one of my other roommates. We walked over and just kind of like, I don't know, just to ease like, you know, yeah. and as the tenant female tenant is talking about what happened about this, like break in fight, whatever 
the cop is speaking to her and the table looks like this fucking table. Like I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. And the cop just looks at her and goes, what's this? And then she goes, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) As she's like crying, talking about whatever fight she was just in. She's like, I don't know what that is. That's my boyfriend. So she just picks up all the stuff and I'm just standing there like, I, I actually don't. Well, I only know what it is because of this movie, (laughs) not a bowling pin uh, grinder, but it's similar. Yeah. Separate incidents. Hey, at least we can close the books on that one. Also, I'm trying to think. No, because there's the Lost World and the Fugitive, but I'm pretty sure this was like one of the earliest Julianne Moore movies I had ever seen. So, like, whenever I was. She's the doctor in The Fugitive. Yeah, she's the doctor in The Fugitive who, like, who sees that Kimball's being weird and suspicious. But then also notices that he uh, saved the kid's life. Oh, and Boogie Nights even came out the year before this. Yes, yes. So Boogie Nights, Lost World. Yeah, so she had been in a few things by now. She was already becoming an established. Yeah. I but I see. I didn't see the P.T. Anderson movies until later because I'm like um, I'm like uh, Mike on um, Red Letter Media, who joked about not seeing any movies that weren't. He's like, this isn't Star Trek: Next Generation. Why would I watch this? Um, so PT Anderson movies, I'm like, I don't, there's no horses in that movie, I don't see any banners, I'm not gonna be watching that. I'm not gonna be watching that little, those domestic uh dramas. Um, and she's great, her, her like decision to like speak that way, <laughs> yes. Like, all of these characters are fake accent, yeah. It's like, what is it? And then David Thule's, how, how do you say David Thule's as Thulis. Knox in the video arts. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that scene later. Um, I, I quote this a lot. This is coitus. Yeah, all these people that like just aren't, who are just like doing whatever. And I, li- but, I like that that she like immediately likes him. Or not like likes him, but just finds him interesting. Yes. Yeah, she likes his vibe. Co- you, mean, yes. you mean coitus? <laughs> <laughs> and I love the picture of the uh, the painting of the scissors. Yes. <laughs> Look at that gigantic zesty enterprise. I love that specific line yeah. read. You can imagine what happens next. He fixes oh. the cable. <laughs> That's another thing I quote all the time. All the time. I feel like I combine my jokes like that, that one, and then Detroit Rock City. Have you ever seen that movie? No. So it's a great, I only, I saw the trailer for it a million times because it was before, I think, Awesome Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me on VHS. <laughs> but there's a scene where it's just a bunch oh, of. Yes. Yeah. So there's a bunch of teenagers and they're like a pretty girls on the highway looking to get picked up. Like, should we pick her up? And the guy's like, I don't know, man. I think a lot of horror movies start this way. And then one of the other guys goes, yeah, I mean, but a lot of pornos start this way too. (laughs) (laughs) So that and this are my like go-to. I know that guy. He's a nihilist. (laughs) (laughs) What a line. That's another thing we've dropped in a lot of episodes. Anything related to nihilism. Yes. To cable. And I love that this looks like 
because it would have been the 80s. Yes. This is exactly. like a reminder of, oh, wait, yeah, this is only 1991. This shouldn't look. Yeah. Like she's got the big hair. The plot, the story is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. I love her, like, just earnest stories. <laughs> like she would appreciate, you know, like a sort of an erotic art film, but this, this is just trash. Like yeah. Maude would appreciate, like, a, like an Adrian Lynn film, but this is just, you know, stories mm -hmm. ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> she fixes the cable. I don't know, even the number of times I've watched this, I don't know sometimes if the dude is being intentionally funny or not. I think it, it varies from scene to scene. Like, I think that he's being intentionally funny. I think... Um, oh, shit, like, yeah, the little... <laughs> I love that you're, not, you're not a golfer. Um, I think sometimes he is, and then sometimes he isn't. Like, that time, I think he is being funny. Like, yes. he obviously knows what they're watching. He's not that stupid. <laughs> and yes, the obviously you're not a golfer is a great joke. I think when he's nervous is when he's not being funny. Like, I think, like, being around the Big Lebowski at first is nervous for him. But then when he sees that the Big Lebowski is just a huge asshole, he just is like, you know, fuck it. I'll just steal one of his rugs. Right. <laughs> I call money clams a lot also because of this movie. Yeah, the clams. <laughs> I know this movie didn't wasn't the first to ever do that, but I think of this movie when I say it. Yeah. And like right there, how good does that white Russian look though? Like that looks great. Oh, it looks, the, the drink yeah. looks fantastic. And I, one sip is really good, but then you're yeah. like, oh God, I, yeah. He's a good man. And thorough. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that. Like if I go to the doctors and like Abby oh. asks me how... Don Herrera. <laughs> this this edit to being I, I love in movies and TV shows when it cuts to someone like mid story or mid joke, yes. but this one in particular is a standout, and then his attitude is completely different. Fucking a man, I was having a bad day. <laughs> like, yeah, I got a rash. I quote that a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah this you know me, funny. I don't complain. Like it's just. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it's just a bunch of it's like for the common person. So while the the story in this is also ludicrous, but most of the characters, while they are exaggerated, are just like yes. I should say, like all of the little side characters, all the yeah. little extended cameos. They're just they're just normal people who would probably have been living in LA in 1991. Yeah. This is the first scene I saw, by the way. This is the okay. first Coen Brothers thing I ever saw. Was him Not... getting out of the limo, and then <laughs> there's a beverage here. Man. There's a <laughs> This is another scene I watch on YouTube occasionally just by itself. What in God's name are you blathering about? <laughs> he is great, David Huddleston. Yes. Everything I've ever seen him in, he is good. Is he, speaking of The Office, I think he's on an episode? Yes. And he yes. says Jerry Trupiano, which is very funny. He says something yes. like, Oh, my old business partner, Jerry Trupiano, and the name that he drops was the name of longtime Red Sox radio color broadcaster, Jerry Trupiano. Oh. And it's like all the writers are from Boston. So it's that's like, that's right. Know what that is. Like, yes, he's not Dunder or Mifflin because Dunder is a different, Dunder shows up in the show and he's a different guy and he talks about how Mifflin killed himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, David Halston, who, who does he play on The Office? You're right, because he is on The Office. It. 
He's, he's been in a million things. I think he was on an episode of West Wing also. Yes, he plays he he plays um the majority leader. He's he's basically put he's clearly supposed to be like a shit kicking, gun toting, Bible thumping Republican, but him and Bartlett agree on uh agree on bombing Arab countries to the Stone Age. <laughs> like it's like a great scene where Bartlett's like, you and I hate each other. But we agree on one thing. <laughs> it's like they're gonna yes. bomb like some uh, country that has to stand up for Saudi Arabia. Oh, and that's right. He's in. I forgot. He's in. Um, he's so old that he's in Blazing Saddles. Yes, he's one of the, he's one of the uh, sort of town elders. Yep, West Wing. So he's in two episodes, like we just said. Yep, he's yeah, two episodes of West Wing. He's in the Hudsucker Proxy at the very beginning. He's the oh, he also voices someone on the Wild Thornberries. Oh. Who does he oh, voice? maybe I, I think I'm making up that he was on The Office. I'm con, I'm confusing him with a similar actor. He was on an episode of Always Sunny. That might be what yes. I'm thinking of. Uh, Wild Thornberries. He was telling it Elder. I don't know. Sea uh, Tortoise. I don't, I don't know. remember. I remember some episodes of the Wild Thornberries, but not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I totally made up that he was on The Office, but there's a guy who looks like him who plays. Yeah. Maybe that's you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he. I do. Yeah, I do. Maybe I'm thinking of the the guy, the Dunder guy. I think that is. Dunder. I think that is who I am thinking of. Yeah. I love that how this is shot as if there should be someone sitting next to him. Yes. Like the framing yes. looks that way, right? And I know it's because he's kind of moving around so much. Yeah. Like the oh, White Russian is the center of the shot. <laughs> It'll jump me up to a different tax bracket. Oh, <laughs> what the hell are you blabbering? About? The thing, like, that's a funny line, you know. This like this like unemployed, shiftless stoner has an accountant, but that's why I think like he's maybe originally way back when from money because he has an accountant, you know. Yes. Like his like dad has an accountant, and so he's still in touch with his dad. I like I love the idea of him like calling up his dad's accountant. His dad's like, oh, hello, Jeffrey. How's it going out in L.A.? <laughs> yeah. And like you said, you never know this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he clearly doesn't have regular cash flow because he's behind yeah. on his pay. But it's like he owns. Or maybe he's like on benefits or something. Like he's on unemployment or maybe he even says that. I don't know. I just like thinking about like what is his. Mm -hmm. his <laughs> I can I can get you a toe, dude. Believe me. I can get you a toe. By <laughs> just, he is immediately so like. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of amateurs <laughs> what, what time does he say i can get you tow by four o'clock this afternoon yeah. with nail polish with nail polish. <laughs> the supreme court has roundly rejected prior restraint <laughs> this looks like a very l i always think this looks like the pulp fiction diner yes i was similar wondered, look to it is the dudes the oh, dude, three o'clock this afternoon damn it so close is the dudes complex or does it just are there just there's probably just a lot of similar complexes in LA, but there's a shot of the dude's complex that looks like it could be um uh Mia's complex, but Mia's Mia's like much richer. There so. is no you're right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I wonder if it's like a basic complex and the Coen brothers dressed it down and Tarantino, you know, dressed it up. Right. Or it's just see. that's a type of condo complex or apartment complex that exists in in LA. Like when she tells the ketchup joke when John Travolta yes. leaves, that yes, that is. I have also thought that right, and these came out around the same time, both shot in L.A. So another great L.A. movie, Pulp Fiction. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. This movie has become quotable, like just among my family. Like we're on va- we're on vacation up in New Hampshire, and you know we'll be you know breakfast is wrapping up and it's like what's next for the day and like if someone's still drinking coffee they will say i'm staying i'm finishing my coffee (laughs) yes this is great scene after great scene after great scene and that neither of these men were nominated for an oscar is a shame especially walter especially john goodman well it's part of their thing is they'll every once in a while the corn brothers all their movies are good then they'll come out with a movie that really hits and gets like awards buzz and gets really championed by critics. <laughs> and there's Fargo. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh my God, this movie is like an American classic. Who are these guys? And of course they've been making movies for like 10 years, but. So is that they... Flea with the baseball bat? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, no, okay. wait, let me, or no, it's the other no, guy. No, no, it's the other it's guy. The, hit, uh, the second one, right? Now. Yes. That's, oh, that is Flea. The one with the marmot. And he was the, um, drummer in the red hot chili peppers nice marmot and if my brother tommy was here he could tell us all kinds of fun facts about flea (laughs) he's a red hot chili peppers expert um like when my brother saw us for the first time he was cracking up because it's flea like he just was like that's hilarious that's flea like (laughs) this is another scene my stepdad just howled at any any good physical comedy nice marmot Also, that bath water looks disgusting. <laughs> yeah, the whole... <laughs> I love the is disgusting how how much abuse his apartment takes throughout this yes. movie is great. Just exactly. like when he looks right now and he gets one more hidden. Yeah, <laughs> that guy looks like Stephen Merchant. He does a yeah. tall, goggle-eyed freak. Um... <laughs> <laughs> leads, I got leads. And I like how I, I know some semblance of L.A. geography just from all the movies and TV shows. I've, yes. I've been to L.A., yeah. but I've only been to basically like the big, big things. So when they say Van Nuys and like Agora Hills, and stuff, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. It's yeah. kind of like when Boston movies, when they're always naming towns just outside of Boston. Yes. And it's funny sometimes because like in The Departed, when they say like we shouldn't be doing anything this side of Worcester and it's like a lot of things are this side of Worcester. Worcester's like an hour away from Boston, but no one cares about that. Yeah. I love this guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got our time. <laughs> got he feels bad, but right he's now. also like, dude, like you're a piece of shit car. Like there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they got a, they got him working shifts. They got him they got us working shifts. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when someone tells a joke and they make themselves laugh yes. and, it's, and the other person is like in a very bad state <laughs> that's 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 just good comedy right there has anyone ever given a bad performance in a Carmen brothers movie like anyone i don't think anyone has ever every single person that shows up in their movies yeah whether it's I'm like a guy like that who's there for two seconds and and but he, but he's still memorable because he gets the, he gets a great line. Even Tara Reid is totally fine in this movie. Oh, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say she's good, but she's like, she's fine. She's, she's exactly she's, what you need. Like she's funny. Like her, the joke lands. Yeah. The tone is perfect. Yeah. 
another perfectly framed shot of these three. <laughs> and I like that Donnie's in between them this time. Yes. So he's like, he's just. <laughs> Fuck me. And I love that, like, we get you get the real sense that this is not what the dude is like. And so he really is stressing out his friends because he's so high strung and panicking all the time. Like when Walter says you're being very undude, mm. like you can, I just, you get that feeling of like, you're not like this. Like what's the whole point we hang out with you is because of how relaxed you are. And I love that at the end of the movie, he finally yeah. seems like uh, the way he's probably always been, which is just like, doesn't give a shit about anything. And is just super relaxed. Yes. What are you a fucking park ranger now? Yeah. Let's not forget. Let's not forget that. Uh, I and the number of scenes that have already occurred with these three, you think like this would get boring after a while, but no. when now the subject matter is not Nazism versus nihil nihilism, and then uh, yeah, marmots and bathtubs that ain't legal either. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't like, legal. yeah, it's like these scenes are like it, it's like in a video game, you have like the place where you go to like get your ammo and your health, yeah, like, you suit up. That's what these scenes are. <laughs> it's the bowling alley. Yeah, you That's return to the bowling alley, you recharge, nice. and you get, prepared, you get prepared for the next vignette. Yeah. And then here comes one of the best, just like weird Coen brother. Let's just throw right. a cowboy in, and he's the narrator. <laughs> I'll, I'll fully admit a lot of this movie is still like, I don't know precisely what they were going for here, but it doesn't matter because it's just so wildly entertaining. It's like David Lynch to know what they were going for would would take all the fun out of it. Yes. You know? It's like I don't care what he, Sam Elliott has a great line from making this movie where he says, "Fellas, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in this picture, but I'm glad you have me here." <laughs> like, <laughs> That's nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this was my first ever Sam Elliott awareness for sure. Mine was Tombstone and because, uh, before the Okay. Yes, yeah. I saw Tombstone and Gettysburg. Um, we've talked about doing this at an episode. Gettysburg was from my peak um, support our troops phase of life, which you and I both had, where anything with soldiers, yes. <laughs> war, we were like, "This is great, this is great, this is great." Even if it was, although I don't think Gettysburg is bad, but yeah, it's just not a real. It's not like a movie. No, I, I, I apparently watched yes. it the other day. Uh, the other day. Uh, a couple years watched, ago, I just, just watched it. Watched Gettysburg just, the other day. I just watched Gettysburg the other day. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, I recently though, like to uh, this podcast yes. within this podcast, I watched yeah. Gettysburg, and it was like, oh, it's just not. It's so great seeing the cast and like there's oh, great yeah. little moments, but it's yes. just a um, it's not a movie. It it has it doesn't follow any basic like filmmaking tenets. The director has not had a successful non. Gettysburg career because he's not a good director, but yeah, there's lots of like good scenes. Yeah, like Robert E. Lee yells at Jeb Stewart for being an idiotic Southern asshole. There's no time. <laughs> Anything with Jeff Daniels, but yeah. So I saw that and I saw Tombstone. So him showing up in this was hilarious because it's like that's such like a random, such a random inclusion. Ah, oh, there he is. And I had seen. Harry Potter. So when he shows up, I was like, it's Professor Lupin. <laughs> Which wasn't that much longer after that. Like, no, it's only uh, six five years. years. Yeah, yeah, five or six years. Which yeah. is crazy. 
I like how he thinks he's going to make it for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's already made a white Russian at this bar. Yes. What the fuck is with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who there the fuck are you, man? Well, most people will know him as Ares, the god of war. Because yes, of course. It's truly his greatest, his greatest role. And he's in, oh my gosh, or am I just confusing the World War I movies? He's in War Horse? No, I am confusing. War Horse. No, I don't think he is. I've only seen that Everyone movie, else. But yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not. I think Ian Hart might be in War Horse, who's the guy that played um, Professor Quirrell in Harry Potter and is also a sort of reedy uh, English guy with a big, a big baldy head. Yeah. David Lewis is also a great, a great actor. He's been in a million things. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the them cat when the, them cackling on the phone as the dude just like stands there, completely baffled by these artsy fartsy LA types. And she calls him the video artist, but he's a porn director. Yes, he's porno. But that's but that's her definition of a yeah. That's yes. how she. That's a good euphemism. Autobahn. <laughs> that's a great. That is a great name for a German. Oh yeah, techno band. Oh, David. He is in Warhorse. He is. Yeah. Who does he play? Everyone's in it. Uh, character's name is. What the fuck is with this guy? Lions. Man? Oh man, I don't remember. I remember the I remember the Benedict Cumberbatch Tom Hiddleston scene. Oh yeah, um, I remember the stuff with the two brothers, which I remember we saw it with my parents, and my mother was weeping because it was about two brothers. <laughs> so she, oh yeah, she was sitting there with her sons. Um, but yeah, I've not seen War Horse in over a decade. It's been a long time since yeah. I haven't seen that or Tintin. That I, I saw them both in theaters in December yeah. of 2011, yes. and I have not seen either of them again. I remember thinking Tintin was like a lot of fun. I just have yep. not seen it since. I listen to both uh, scores regularly. I don't. I think oh, those, those I, I are in the themes, like the theme of the Tintin. Warhorse, the uh, the plowing track is yeah. excellent. That's basically the main theme. But it's funny. I remember a lot of it. That's the thing. It's Spielberg. So, like, even if you've never, if you only see it once, you still remember it. This is a yeah. great scene. Yep. And this guy, this guy's also in a ton of stuff. Manesh something. I forget his last name. Okay. Manesh something. He was on a show called Andy Barker P.I., which was on for like six episodes. And it was starring Andy Richter. And it was produced, like conceived by Conan O'Brien. And it's about a accountant whose new office in the mall used to be a private eyes office. And so he gets the private eyes cases. And solves them. It's like a oh. very, it's a very funny show. I like it a lot, but it's only six episodes. Oh, um, but he's in it. He plays a, he plays a, a Middle Eastern man who, who went full America rah 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 after nine eleven because he was afraid. <laughs> and so his restaurant is ridiculous. It's like Middle Eastern food, but with like American flags and like Rambo posters. Oh, but that's yeah, great. That guy's also. Oh, that's a funny so premise guys. for a show. So many guys. There and of course, is. the guy following him is the ultimate guy. <laughs> yes. John Polito, right? John Polito, the yeah. late, great John Polito. I know. So sad. 
Did you know that he was gay? I didn't. I did I not just, know that. I found that out. I, I, I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is some great physical comedy with the dude. So there's yes. that, and then there's the bath scene. There's the <laughs> opening scene. And like, it's such like a great, it's like a little funny gag, but then it's how he discovers uh, Larry <laughs> Sellers. Leading to probably the greatest the greatest scene in the movie. Yes. <laughs> this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. What is it on TV? Oh, it's something like a Frozen. Or no, no, no. I know Fargo, they replace everything with Frozen. Yes. And on TV for this, I can't remember. It's also a ridiculous dubbing. This is what happens when you... Uh, it's, something, it's something insane. Okay, this might be my favorite scene in the movie because this exact i have been to one of these yes and shout out to jimmy elward um we went to his sister's performance <laughs> and there was an interpretive dance section yeah and i know that jimmy wants to be laughing because i am also holding back laughter <laughs> jimmy leans forward he does like one of these then he just turns around and looks at me and we lock eyes and it was like a fart in church. We just both lost it. And you know, Jimmy's mother is your mother. Yes. So she is. Yes, she is. He, he was going to murder the two of us. And I don't think I've ever seen her like get angry before. And she was about to strangle us. So you guys don't appreciate the art of dance. I try, you know, <laughs> I try. I went to support yes. her. I regular dances, the interpretive dance though. I, I, it, yeah. you know, I, I have no judgment for the people who do it. I try to support all our. Here we yes. are doing our pot, but, but it, two two guys who are into this sort of thing who have the mm -hmm. giggles. That I've is, been to a lot of, I've been to a lot of things like this. I love that they go. I love that all three of them go. That's what I mean. It's kind of it's sweet. It's sweet. But yes. Although Walter yes. says when he says he's so dismissive when we're yes. done with what have you, both series. He, he does goes. go. Bulk of the also, series is a common quote also. Bulk of the series. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll go there right. after the what have you. There we go. <laughs> this framing is great too. Yes. That Donnie is like quite is kind of swept away by the whole thing. Yeah. Donnie finds it extremely interesting. The dude is sort yeah. of like trying to puzzle it out. And well, yeah, like you said, Walter doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah, these two are trying to pay attention. Yeah. Oh, this is also the first I've ever I had ever heard of the In N Out Burger. Yes. So yep. first time Mary and I went to California, but that was like on my number one. It's like, I need to go there. Cause I know it, was, it has a good reputation, but again, mostly for this movie yep. and that place lived up to the hype. Very, very good. Burger. And that's good. See, I first heard of in and out in this movie. And then when I saw it referenced somewhere else or someone said about it, I thought it was like, Oh, did they like open like a themed burger place? I didn't realize that the, the, the chain predated the, that it was just a chain. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. In LA. They only uh, are in the western part of the United States because they don't they've had opportunities to franchise further out, but they don't want to sag they don't I think they don't freeze their meat ever, so it has to be within a certain oh, no. radius from their plant in like I wherever see. it is, Arizona or Texas or California. I um I think like Colorado is like one of the farthest places they go. Oh, okay. They veer away, but yeah, it, it's an excellent. I mean, it is. You know what it is. It's a. It's just a diner. So you're not getting this. But for that sort of dining experience, it's very, very good. <laughs> and a good day to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
someone I work with, I work at a high school and someone in a very important position loves this movie. Like she has on her car, a little decal that says, that's just like your opinion, man. Mm-hmm. And whenever she leaves for the day, or whenever I leave for the day, one of us will say, and a good day to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, that that on itself is not a funny line, but just no. the delivery. Like she, how he she's a compu- she's like she she is like Gen X, so she's a completely different generation. And yet she loves this movie. She saw this movie. She was like, I, I saw this movie in the theaters high, and there was no one in there. It was just me and my friends laughing our asses off. Uh, because this movie wasn't like a box office success. The decision to not have Larry say a single word. Yes. And the casting of this kid's fate, like he has such a perfect blank expression. (laughs) It's also one of those mysteries that's not fully like obviously he had the car in some capacity with his home. Yeah, him and his friends took the car and then that's it. Yeah, they found a bag with underwear, but (laughs) it's not money to buy the car that you're about to see. And I gotta say, why did that guy park in front of someone else's house? Like that is weird. That's a little but then again, when we see him, he seems like he might be kind of a weird guy because he's in boxers and he's got dress shoes on and he looks like... Um, and a wife beater? Yeah, he looks like the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brandon's a real show. Say it again? Brandon is a real show. I do know that because I, I looked at it at one point. I assumed it was a thing. I thought it was like a... Um, you know, like the movie. Oh no, you don't know because you've never seen Home Alone. But there's a no, no. Fake... I did see Home Alone last Christmas. Oh my god, you finally watched, watched it. Home okay. Alone, yep. And then we were gonna watch Home Alone two this Christmas, but we didn't. But I did. I have now finally seen Home Alone. Like, okay. Was it Angels with Filthy Souls or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. Like I thought that was growing up. I assumed that was a real yes. movie for the longest time. Um, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> it's like. As I'm actually watching this without sound, I'm like, the plot makes a little bit more... Like, I feel like each scene leads to the next scene, yes. as a movie should do. But then when you... If you ever tell someone what the plot of this movie is, you're like, well, um, it's kind of hard to explain. But as you're watching it, the prog- the progression of scenes does make yeah, sense. It does, yeah. When you fuck a stranger in... <laughs> How much anger is in his <laughs> line delivery? <laughs> yeah this guy has strange energy he really does and how cowardice he is immediately <laughs> he even puts a peace sign up briefly Do you, yeah just so brief now i kill your fucking car <laughs> yeah the dude's car and apartment get destroyed. absolutely destroyed throughout this movie but then this cut to black, I love. Yes. And then the in and out. Mm. They still go to, like all the things that still happen, like you said. Yes. So they have this traumatic thing with the Uzi, but they're like, well, we're going to go bowling ball. and we'll also call Donnie to make sure he goes. This whole thing happens. It's like, yeah, well, we're also out here. So like we need to go mm. to the in and out burger. They just are drifting. They're just drifting through life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I didn't think I didn't think he was about to crack. <laughs> right, we talked over. Uh, I think it was at the dance recital, but when he's like, "Too bad the kids are dunce," 
Yeah. That's another great shot. <laughs> it did not look like Larry was about to crack. <laughs> Yeah, and this whole speaking of home alone, how he's trying to booby trap his house, and yes. then it's like he does it the wrong way. <laughs> and then he trips over it later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. They just walk right over it. Another great comfy dude outfit. Yes. Yeah, this one's a good one though, too. I, I liked your comment earlier about the Japanese baseball shirt though. Oh, he look it looks those so good. pants look great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's Ooh. Jacob. That's so funny. So for Lost fans, they're just like distracted because they're watching this movie like, holy shit, it's Jacob. Yes. And the character is nothing like this character. I've he plays a, Jacob. Jacob's like a god. Uh, isn't he the... This is my limited Lost knowledge, just from Osmosis. Is Jacob the brother of um, Titus Welliver, who is... Spoilers for Lost. Isn't Titus Welliver like the physical embodiment of the smoke monster? That is all correct. See, I know Lost stuff. So there's a, so you'll love this. There's a flashback. It's a very well done episode. It's just so late in the series that it, but there's a flashback to their origin and their two brothers during like, I don't know, it's BC and their mother is Allison Janney. Oh, wow. Okay. She's in one episode of Lost and she plays a crucial role for this one episode. I love Jackie Treehorn. And then my, my mom and dad cracked up because like they knew Ben Gazzara from like other things he had done all through the 70s and 80s. Oh, what is he in Roadhouse? Yeah, he's in Roadhouse. Yeah. He's in a bunch of TV shows. I haven't really seen anything else that he's in. I think I've, I've seen Roadhouse. But um, so his like introduction, it's, it's hilarious now because it's just like Hey, dude, I'm Jackie True. It's just like, it's just so like this random character that doesn't, isn't important, stays unimportant, but he gets this big introduction. But my parents were laughing because they were like, that's so funny. It's Pink Gazera. Yeah. I love all the intersections of infrastructure in this movie of LA, yes. like the porn industry, yes. the bowling industry. <laughs> and like in the all LA movies, the closer you get to the sea, the more evil the people become <laughs> and like yes. this guy lives in a universal it's an evil house um my wife watches a show called selling sunset which is about this like real estate firm that just sells fancy homes in california and one of the episodes she was watching like, a couple of days ago was this house okay did they specifically say i looked i was like that's jackie treehorn's house and my wife was like, what are those words? I'm like, that's Jackie Treehorn's house from the Big Lebowski. And they talked about it on the episode. That's awesome. It's a great feeling when you recognize something like that. Yes. Like a location or a... Yeah. yeah. I've never been to LA. I only know LA from the movies. So I've... It's um, it's a dump. <laughs> yeah. That's, and everyone everyone says that. That it's like, it's 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 the it's two cities. And yeah. basically, if it's the, the sun sets, it becomes nice. But as long as the sun is up, it's just like a dumpy, like urban sprawl. Yeah. <laughs> a location where there probably shouldn't be a major city. Exactly. The geography did not call for it. This this little anecdote is so bizarre. This might be the most bizarre thing in the movie. <laughs> Why does he draw this? He just draws a guy with, <laughs> draws a, guy with a massive hog. It's like super bad. Yeah. 
Jackie Treehorn. <laughs> I said, yeah, I love. I still jerk off manually. That's another great line. <laughs> and this is a funny scene where the dude like this feels the <laughs> this feels the most film noir before this happens. Where like well, this he is finally seems like he's starting to act cool and like know yes. what movie he's in, and then this happens, and you're like, oh, we're back to being what is this movie? Yeah, <laughs> he, he told Walt that he wants to handle it himself, so he starts yeah. to handle it himself, and the first thing that happens is <laughs> he just gets a pencil etching of like a guy with a dick. <laughs> he gets beat up, um, and gets arrested by uh, the Malibu uh, Malibu sheriff. Yeah, fucking fascist. <laughs> Oh, uh, does the Pope shit in the woods? That's I say that all the time. Yes. I had to have that joke explained to me, I think, when I first saw this. Yeah. And just because I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, they're just... Matchstick Men makes the same joke. Yes. L.A. movie. Yeah, Sam yep. Rockwell. I think he says, does the Pope go in the woods? But he makes the same exact joke. Fucking brat. <laughs> 15-year-old kid dude, are you kidding me? Fuck. <laughs> I always thought the line was fucking social studies, not fucking yeah. flunking social studies. And I love that he exp he explains the plot of the movie that we've been watching, and an and an outsider says <laughs> that's insane. That's not what's happening at all. Right, right. Make a hell of a Caucasian. Yeah, the alternative name calling a white Russian a Caucasian. <laughs> I want it to be a Caucasian red, though. I, I think for the longest time I thought he said Caucasian red. So you have two syllable um, synonyms for each name in the drink uh, title. Mm -hmm. But he just calls it a Caucasian, I think, a couple times. Wu has a really good face, too. I don't know yes. if I've seen him in anything else. I don't think I've seen him in anything. But yeah, Jacob Mark Pellegrino. He's been, he was Satan on Supernatural. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and he's been in a bunch of like it's usually TV roles, but he has a good face. This sequence is just hilarious. Yes. Like I just the movie stops just so they can do this fake that they probably now. I certainly think. We were earlier saying gutter balls is perfect. Um, I would actually, I would say this is like a fringe stoner movie because, like, yes, I'm sure if you were high, scenes like this would be extra heightened. Yeah, and and the dude himself is a stoner, so I get that labeling. Though I, generally speaking, haven't really thought of it that way. But I'm sure some, I could see some drugs going into the creation of a scene like this. Sure, but the Coens their filmography is stuff like this. Maybe not exactly like this, but yeah. they, they have very creative brains. So I don't necessarily think like, well, they must have been high, but I also want to be shocked if maybe they were high when they wrote this scene. Saddam yeah. Hussein's giving him bowling shoes. And I love okay, that guy played Saddam Hussein in like six movies in the nineties. Like that was his thing. <laughs> he played Saddam Hussein in movies. And I, I think this was the last one. And it's like so appropriate. Mm. Um, it's this movie from 98 set in 91 and this guy that had made a career out of basically just being Saddam Hussein in movies I think this was the last time he did it his dancing when he first walks down the stairs is great that's like one of oh my, my moves when I don't know what to do this here when my, 
brother and I visited. Well, I was taking a tour of it, my, and my brother Ryan came along with me to UMass Amherst. There are those steps at the back of the Fine Arts Center. If you're not from UMass, you'll have no idea what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But like, you know, when, like that lead down to like the campus pond. And Ryan was just going down the stairs doing the doing the dudes. Nice. Steps. This is a great song, too. Oh, I love the song. Yeah. I again I don't know much about music. This is my Kenny Rogers go-to song. Yes. <laughs> it's a Busby Berkeley musical, but it's a porn. <laughs> <laughs> This but it's a dream. Song. Right. It's a, it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. This song is in a ton of... Um, it's most famously in this, but I know it's in other TV shows and movies, too. I feel like it gets re... It has a lot of covers, also. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just like to think of Roger Deakins making this movie. Yes. Going like, what? Like, reading the script. Just rolling with it. Yeah. But he treats it very seriously, and it helps. Yeah, yeah comedies don't have to look, like, bad. Like, I don't mind when they look good. Yeah. Oh, it was like when um, Judd Apatow had Janusz Kaminski shoot uh, Funny People. Yes. And you yes. have this, like, gorgeous-looking two-and-a-half-hour <laughs> Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen comedy. I mean, comedy should not be two-and-a-half hours. No, no. That movie is... The, when I think he his movies are too long yeah he peaked at from a directorial standpoint he peaked at knocked up and then I think it's been a slow decline yeah. since then I haven't seen his last I never I, I gotta say I never really liked his got into like I love super bad but he didn't direct Superbad. he didn't direct it or write it right he was just a producer I I love 40 year old virgin and knocked up I will freely admit that I've but, only seen those once each. I, really? I definitely laughed. Like I absolutely laughed during them because they're funny, but they just didn't do it for me. Hmm. Yeah, like Hot I, Fuzz. Like Hot Fuzz is a comedy, but it looks like an action movie, which yeah. is what, to me was what makes it funny. Right. Young Frankenstein is like one of the most gorgeous black and white movies ever. And it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. This is another performance that's like, wow. This guy, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the throwback to the grocery store from the beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just finding someone with this <laughs> Ronald Tooby. And this is the most like anti-authority hippie that he gets in the movie. Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> objects like women, man. <laughs> objects like women, man. fucking fascist this guy's great too he's been in a bunch of things he's always good yeah and it would be the chief of police in malibu that perturbs the dude i like that like he's like i just have no respect for your title and i don't like you jerk off (laughs) i'm sorry And yeah, it's great. He's like the chief of police in Malibu. Like his sole duty is to just like he does it. Like his sole duty is is this. Basically, just like I don't want anyone that isn't already in Malibu to be here in Malibu. 
<laughs> and you're not expecting that scene in the middle of this movie yes. or two thirds of the way of this movie, but you meet all these little characters. You get their whole story pretty quickly. This guy's great. This cab, this cab. Yeah. It's another one. This was just in our Lord of the Rings episode. I love that the dude hates the Eagles. Like clearly he views them as oh, mainstream yes. sellouts. So my, my, uh, my mom loves the Eagles and she would always, play I, the Eagles, I love we, would, we would always go, uh, mom, like the Eagles. And then when she watched this with us, when this scene came on, she started cracking up. She was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> You're just yes. it's because of this movie. And I love this guy. Guys complaining about his music. So he kicks him out. <laughs> <laughs> another, another just quick little, yes, quick little role, but they leave impressions. The, the limo just, driver earlier. Yeah. And there's bunny. Again, just a great little, he gets kicked out of the cab, which gives us an opportunity to see other cars, and it turns out it's Bunny. Yep. And she's got... And this feels, feels very film noir -y. Yes. Like, that yes. they just happened to, like, oh, she was just hiding in plain sight the whole time. She's mm -hmm. right there. She's got both toes. I think I asked this earlier, but the Coens edited them this themselves under their pseudonym, right? Like R Roderick James or there's Roderick one of, James. Trisha, Trisha Cook, Trisha. Yeah. Trisha Cook. Okay. No, maybe it's Trisha Clark, but yes, Roderick James. And then there's another, <laughs> there's another credited, uh, credited editor. This is one of the ultimate setup and payoff movies too. So many things come back. <laughs> Wait, here was your line earlier, the compromise version. Yeah, tell me about yourself, Jeffrey. Well, that's perfect after the Eagles reveal, because it's like, yeah, it's no surprise that the dude would hate the Eagles. Yes. But then he's talking about a watered-down mainstream thing and then talking about a watered-down mainstream yeah. thing. Of, of And the, the port <laughs> statement. Um, I don't think most people would describe that as a watered-down mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> Like well, it's right. pretty radical. Uh, but in yeah. his in his mind, it, I'm that's saying. why it's yeah, such a yeah. good joke. Yeah. Is the Seattle Seven a real thing? I've never looked at. Yes, up. Seattle Seven's a real thing. Nice. Yeah, I love that. That he was he was part of like you know the weather. He was in that whole weather underground adjacent movement. Um, a bunch of people that really thought they were going to change the world, but ultimately, they all just became college professors. <laughs> you know. Yep. They just they got they got middle class jobs, and he just decided to pretend to be a college student for the rest of his life. I think it's why college students watch this movie and then don't want to go to their classes. They want to just be the dude. He's happy, like he's stressed during this movie, but he has a he has a happy life. And he's stressed because he goes out of his own. Yes, it's almost like a reverse character arc. This movie he leads his sphere. He goes beyond the dumpy you know outskirts of society and he realizes that it's not for him and then he goes right back to just bowling with his friends getting high finding ways to <laughs> smells the shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh he I, I love it oh like he can't articulate why he thinks he's wealthy but <laughs> <laughs> A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Who says a lot of ins, a lot of outs that he parrots that off of? Or is that one of his own? I believe, I'm trying to think. I really should know since I've seen it a hundred times. But um, I believe that is one of his original 
Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Let me tell you something yeah. about the dude. <laughs> so you referenced earlier the Jesus rolls spinoff, whatever. Mm. I'm not even like yeah. counting that because that's yeah. so bizarre. But this movie, they often flirt with the idea of a sequel. And it's like, do not. First yeah. of all, it's too late now. But it's, um, it's perfect. Don't ever revisit this. You Again, ha- I don't want to say it's like lightning in a bottle per se, because it was a lot of talented people making it. But again, how specific this movie is, I don't know if you could replicate yeah, that just, again. Like, I would be okay with if they did one of those stupid, silly-ass Super Bowl reunion, like Super Bowl commercial reunion things that they do. Yep. Where they bring back people, but it's only for a commercial. Like when when AJ and Meadow drove to the restaurant where they probably saw their father get murdered when they did that like Sopranos one <laughs> like that one was cute but um yeah this one I don't know like I I would de- I would definitely chuckle if there was some Super Bowl commercial and you just cut to like but see then I'd miss Donnie like it'd be sad that there was no Donnie you know? oh that's true of course yeah. and then John Goodman just looks so different now too well, yeah, he's 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 literally lost a ton of weight. Like he yeah. just he just he he looks different. Jeff Bridges looks Jeff Bridges could go right back into the part because he never stopped playing it. Right. Um, but yeah, John Goodman. I don't know. To me, the best reunion I think that we got was the one on Good Morning America, where the three of them, Steve Buscemi, John Goodman, and uh, Jeff Bridges, sat down with one of the correspondents, and they talked about the movie. And why everyone loved it. I think it's from 2018. To the 20 years. Years. Yeah. And it's awesome because Steve Buscemi saw it once and has not seen it since and doesn't understand any of the quotes. It's like, it's perfect. Like he's sitting in between Goodman and Bridges and he's just like, oh, that's a scene. Oh, oh, that's a scene. Like he's not, he can't keep up. He's just like, oh, I think it's great. People like it, but I don't really know all the ins and outs. Oh, this right here. That's what looks yeah, like whole fiction. It does. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But Goodman. And Jeff Bridges sound like us talking about the Big Lebowski. They're just like, oh, there's that part and there's that part. Like they've clearly seen it a bunch of times and they talk about it the way fans of the movie talk about it, which is like they just keep pointing to scenes. <laughs> right. He's never been bad in anything. I've never seen him in anything. The dude has like a kung fu type look. <laughs> Like this has not been established at all, but they're here they are. Yep. Um Brother Seamus. Brother Seamus. Like an Irish monk. <laughs> when he shows the picture and it's like the most desolate, miserable yeah. looking farm. Well, and I like how he a dick man. It's funny seeing his this is like turning into Rashomon where now he's yes. telling his version of the movie <laughs> in his version of the movie. The dude is like the coolest guy ever. Yes. And the dude's version is like, that's a pothead wing nut who is making up this entire thing. <laughs> um, oh yeah. We should, I don't even know if I mentioned at the start of this, but the reason we picked this movie is it is in its 25th anniversary yes. already. So this had a brief, this and Return of the King, I think were in theaters at the same time in April. And I just didn't make it to either of them. And I'd also seen them a million times each, but. I have seen this in a theater. I saw this at the Pleasant Street Theater in Northampton. 
I remember I did the article on it for the Collegian. Oh, that's right. I never, I never went to that theater. It was, that, it was yeah. It was, it, an, it was annoying a little bit with a crowd. Like there are people saying lines, and it's like this isn't the Rocky Horror Show. Like just watch the movie. Like come right. on. So when it, that theater must have closed only yes, like twenty. Well, well, I know that, but I'm saying it must have only closed in like 2013 or 14. So, yeah. Because when I lived in Northampton, it wasn't open. So that's a yeah. Wasn't many years in between those two events. Hmm. John Polito, like a, a guy that like he's perfect because he's the kind of character actor that used to exist in Hollywood, and so when you it's like he's perfect because you get him to play that part it's like we need like a guy from like a 1930s movie well here you go here's john polito who is a guy from a 1930s movie like he's just so that's why he's great in miller's crossing oh, that's my, my favorite i wish this scene was like the next scene after yeah it seems like it's like oh yeah i've the toe like maybe it's like it is like the one scene that's maybe like misplaced because the toe thing isn't like that big of a reveal once you yeah. know it's not like it doesn't really matter that it's hers yeah. necessarily Maybe it was just a pacing thing. They just thought it was weird. I love the lighting in this. Yes. Again, now that I'm watching this, I wish I did see this on a big screen because I think of it first. It was pretty great. It yeah. was. It was. Um, yeah. It was. It was good. And this is like the third act. This is this movie's version of the plot getting resolved, like in a film noir, when the detective finally yeah. cracks the case. <laughs> Yeah, I get. I understand it, dude. I get where you're coming from, but how does this constitute an emergency? (laughs) (laughs) Just, I I wish I could have a sliver of creativity that went into this screenplay. Like, who? How do you come up with this movie? Here we are. It's Shabbos, the Sabbath. (laughs) Like, like you're again. You're finally so. This feels like a film noir scene. Like, oh, your your private eye figured out the case. He's explaining it to a partner. He's explaining it to somebody, and then it's like, nope. Now we're gonna go back to what this movie really is nonsense. Like, yeah, yeah, great, but but remember, Shomer, remember I went on that whole night. Yeah, yeah, remember that. A thousand years of noble tradition from yeah. Moses to Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. <laughs> just stop being Jewish. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of your six in the end thing. I'm not. Why do you bring the dog bowling? I'm not. I'm not buying its shoes. <laughs> I'm not renting a lane. <laughs> You're goddamn right. I'm living in the fucking path. That's that's great. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, and the song's perfect too. Yes, that's yeah, a really good soundtrack. Does Carter? Oh, T-Bone yes. Burnett was one of the producers like yeah. who picked out the song Burnett always helps them like select the the needle drops yes and, um carter burwell as always does the does the score how much did brant know do you think i think brant really does think he works for like some sort of great man i think so too i think he i think he's earnest yes how much did he know i think he isn't surprised yes but he he genuinely thought she was kidnapped but then when she showed up he was like oh this makes sense yeah I, I, that's how i always read it with brand yeah 
And I love again. Who the hell Walter, am I? Walter just immediately just like goes for it. Yes. And this is the one instance in the movie where he's wrong. Yes. He's been right the whole movie. And I like that. I've never been of, more sure of anything in my life. Yes. And as an audience, we're like, shit, maybe he is right because he was right about everything. It wasn't her toe. She kidnapped herself. As if we um, ever dreamed of taking her money. <laughs> but no, it, he is. He is a real spinal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the dude, when Walter starts going for the dude's like, well, wait a minute, Walter. Like, that's not anything we discussed. Yeah. Bums. And it's like, what statement is this, too? Like, yeah, these two are bums. And he's just a cop, but then, then these bums kick up, kick a man who can't walk out of his wheelchair. Mm. He's a cripple. See again, the dude with verbiage is just not. No man, he, he's <laughs> Oxung baby. <laughs> <laughs> But again, great. I, I do think the physical comedy is lost in this because it's the quotes and the dialogue are what people fixate yes. on. But the physical comedy is is right there with it. I love this little bit of foreshadowing that I didn't know at the time. I love that you never see the dude bowl. Yep. There isn't one single shot of him. He's always getting ready, or he's just bold, or he's writing down the score. Oh, poor Donnie. My mom hates this part. Yeah. As I'm sure you... It does... Not surprised. All it's right. sad. It does feel out of place. I think... I like it. I like it. It's just like a sudden... Like the movie needed something? The movie needed something to happen. And so, you know, their best friend has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a nice guy that... Uh, doesn't understand all this and it gives us an opportunity for walter to do that great thing where he just where donnie's like scared and he's like no these these, these men he like puts his arm out to protect donnie his little cub it's a good character moment for well really all three of them but i like that yeah the dude like you were saying earlier reverts back to being the dude he's just very absent and calm <laughs> look at liam holding him back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got such a fun he has such a baby face it's great he's just nodding he's laughing this, this, clearly at <laughs> the hip thing the yes. hip thing that John Turturro does <laughs> <laughs> and again they don't say anything to him fucking Quintana man he's cracking he's cracking <laughs> I like how long it takes for them to realize like you can already see the lighting of the fire yes yeah so this is great so yeah the dude's back to being calm absent like he's over this whole thing he, to, in his mind there's resolution Walter has talked a big game this entire movie and you see he is he is good at fighting he is a yes, badass yes. That's what I, like. I do like that he like when, the, when it comes to it he just it's like the debate like was Walter in Vietnam <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay after the scene okay maybe he was and maybe yeah. he has a severe case of ptsd because he immediately bites a man's ear off right that's the thing 
it's like was Walter in Vietnam? Was the Big Lebowski in Korea? It's like all these like men that lie, and it's like these three guys might be the only genuine. Like they're they're idiots, but they're not lying. They're authentic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that they're completely out of the loop on the whole thing. Oh, the three, the uh, yes, Autobahn, the yeah, yeah, Autobahn, yeah. the nihilists. Yeah. It's so specific having them be nihilists too. It's so great. Uh... And I would like my undies back. <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, he becomes very protective over Donnie. Like yes. only I get to, only I get to treat you like shit. Yes. Maybe no the dude. Talks, yes, no one yeah. talks to Donnie like that. Yeah, that's the thing. When earlier, when they're at the bar, the dude snaps at Donnie, and that's what gets Walter to be like, "Okay, let's go." Like, yeah, like, like you can't talk to Donnie like that. Yep. <laughs> we fuck you up. <laughs> We takes the money. Yeah, Germans are funny. Germans are funny. Germans are an inherently funny people. Like they're not funny, but like Germans are funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this movie that's set during the Gulf War. They talk about Vietnam. They talk about Korea. It's like, but we gotta gotta have Nazi related adjacent in here somewhere. So let's have them be German nihilists where they're compared to Nazis. (laughs) That's what they settle on. And flees overacting, which is great. And yep. it works. It works for the character. <laughs> Anti-Semite. <laughs> <laughs> Just the assumption. Yeah, they're German. They must be Nazis. Yeah. So this is definitely who I assumed was the member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers when Oh, that guy? Yeah. yeah I thought it was him, not the other one. But I'm then sure he's said... known for something. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Peter Stromar is the only like actor. Of the of the of the three, okay, yeah. that makes sense. I think even the woman is like has some sort of career. No shots were fired, dude. <laughs> and <laughs> and how calm and collected Walter is during yeah. this. Like he knows exactly what to do. So that's why I do think he if was, this scene doesn't happen, it's a good debate of whether or not he was actually yes. in Vietnam. But I think Nothing. this solidifies that he was. Yeah, I yeah exactly. But I like that the whole movie. It's like is Walter completely full of shit. <laughs> And he's not. Walter isn't full of shit. He's not Ron. He's just, he's just an asshole. asshole. <laughs> this actor is great too. I, he was in Raising Arizona. Yes, he and was. And he died like young. I want to say. I think he, he was only in his like 40s or 50s. Yeah. But... I hope he was buried in their most modestly priced <laughs> This is you another are... great scene of all of a sudden. Oh, sorry. Just yeah, he's so like. No, no, no I'm gonna let you do do it again. Now you are the bereaved. <laughs> but like a member, he's in this movie for 90 seconds. A very memorable role. Where they're debating over the cost of urns. Yes. They are very good at writing characters like this. People, that still- <laughs> I love that too. Where the dude is reaching for it, and then he just immediately. Oh, oh, okay. People that sit behind desks. And have procedures, and want to keep to the procedures. Like they're very, like this. The the secretaries in a serious man, all the each of the rabbis' secretaries. Yes. They're like, yes. very, like they're very, like they love people like this who are just they're just doing their job, but they have to deal with Corn Brothers characters. Yes. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> it's our most modestly priced receptacle. 
Mm. <laughs> Man, I just I love this movie so much. I think it's, it, it is. Uh, it's so hard to pick like top movie. It really is because there's just so many movies and, but like, it may be getting up to the point where it's in like my. It might be like in my top five, honestly, like if, of all of all time. I don't think it cracks that, but it has it has to be in the ten. I would make yeah. a spot. This this would be the movie that I'd be like something's getting bounced off. This has to make it. <laughs> Because it's just been too important in my life. Jindler's list has got to go. We need room for the big yeah. Ones. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. Return of the King, you're you're out. Two Towers, you're out. Schindler's List, you're out. <laughs> and here's where we learn everything we know about Donnie. <laughs> yeah, it does make me sad that he has no other family. I know, but see, that makes me happy that he had these Walter two. and the dude. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. They're that the three of their friendship that they're just like they just vibe. They just vibe out in LA and they bowl and they, other than, other than this week <laughs> that we've just visited them, yeah. they have a pretty relaxing, pleasant life <laughs> from a Hoya. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts talking about Vietnam. What was that shit about Vietnam, man? <laughs> Every, I use everything's such a fucking travesty with you. <laughs> Yeah, lay on dock at Hill 364. Because <laughs> the dude probably not maybe not draft dodge, but the dude definitely like he was a conscientious objector. They oh, said that's that. right. Conscientious yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Smokey was like me, he was a conscientious objector. I did not know that. He's got problems, he's got emotional problems. You mean besides pacifism? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the Folgers Cup is great. This is another moment that just lives in my head. Yes. <laughs> I get, like, I get why this yeah. didn't, like, resonate. <laughs> well, right, because I, at the time, so like you were saying, the Coens were established. This was their fifth movie. Fifth or, no, 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 more than that. This was oh, like yeah. their... They had the three, they had the, uh, uh, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo. So this was their seventh movie. Yeah. So they were, so I'm sure like film nerds were like, well, we got to see the yeah. Coen Brothers movie. But I bet all the like Academy and critical darling people who were expecting Fargo again were probably like, what the hell is this thing? It is, it, it is exactly what happened with Burn After Reading. Yes. No Country for Old Men. Everyone saw it. It won all the Oscars. And then their next movie comes out and people see it and they're like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is this? And it didn't, you know, it didn't like resonate as well. And then it happened again. There's, I think it was Inside Lewin Davis and then Hail Caesar. And Inside yes. Lewin Davis gets a bunch of Oscar buzz and a lot of people, people that aren't Coen Brothers fans see it and they want to go see the next one. And they just see this weird, strange, like Hollywood spoof. And they're just like, what is this? It's like, this is what they, every once in a while, they make serious literary adaptations of Westerns, but mostly they just do this. <laughs> yeah. And Burn After Reading, Big Lebowski, and Hail Caesar, I think I'm speaking for both of us, are three of our favorite Cohen. Oh my God, yes. Especially Hail Caesar is, that has to be their most underrated movie. 
because it bombed critically, financially, yes. everything. And I've seen it twice now in a it's very a short span. It's it's awesome. It's, it's a one really of their good best, movie. It's one of their best movies. Yeah. It is slept on, as the kids say. Yeah. I'm not sure. Why. And Bernard's reading is hilarious. Like I don't think it's as strong. It's like not as like perfect, but it's just Bernard Frieden is like very crazy. funny movie. It's very funny. You think it's a Schwinn? <laughs> yeah, J.K. Simmons is that and that that those two scenes are unbelievable. <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? <laughs> I don't know, sir. <laughs> that that you know that you could put that on the gravestone of the Cohen brothers. Like, what did yes. we learn after watching their movies? I think I'm, I don't know. I've said this before. Patton Oswalt has the best description of 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 Coen Brothers movies. He says every other movie is every other movie is you go to the circus and the rain leader shows you the circus. It's the lion. It's the flying cannon guy. Like it's a you have a guide. You go to the circus and you watch the show while someone guides you. Coen Brothers movies are you go to the warehouse where all the circus stuff is kept. You just open the doors and the guy says, "Okay, good luck. Figure it out." <laughs> it's just like. So it's all the stuff from a circus, but it's not presented in any way. There's no guide. You're just like looking at like, oh, there's a lion. There's like a cannon, like some acrobats. Like what is, what is all this? It's like, well, you have, that's, you figure it out. <laughs> right. They're like yeah. David Lynch in that way, where they just refuse. Yeah. Like, Everything we wanted to say is in the movie. Just watch the movie. Like we have nothing else to say. We said it in the movie. Like that's Fargo. Kind of, mm -hmm. They spent the whole publicity tour for Fargo doubling down on the lie that it's based on a true story. <laughs> so much so that my uncle was talking about uh, this TV series. And yes. He's like, and you know, those are based on real. And I was like, oh, that's a joke that has just gone. I'm like, no, they're actually not. But it's like, hey, they they tell you that. So I don't blame you for thinking this. It's one of the, they're on Charlie Rose. And it's it, that's even funnier now in, in hindsight. But they're on Charlie Rose. And Charlie Rose is like. <laughs> So what was the difference between the case? And they keep referring to the case and like this was different in the case. Like we were afraid that if we adapted the case literally, people would think it was funny, but it is just the facts of the case. And Charlie Rose is like, hmm, mm, very interesting. It's like it's, they don't want to talk about it. They already talked about it when they made the movie. When they made it, yeah. Yeah, like you said, this movie is very calming. All the bowling stuff is yeah. taken or easy. Yeah. This cut is great. Boom. Yeah, the editing, again, now watching this without the sound, you do see it is a Coen Brothers movie with the filmmaking, Absolutely. the pristine, the techniques are both the, um, yeah, the cinematography, the editing, everything. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, the studio didn't know how to like market it. The poster's awful. Like they just didn't know. The poster know is awful. It's terrible. It's like one of the worst posters. Um, yeah just them standing in like yellow smoke. It's just bad. Um, but yeah, they just didn't know how to like sell it uh, because well, what, what, what do you Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Haleva plays Saddam. He is. Yeah. He made a career. He's in both hot shots movies. He's in one of the naked gun movies. I think he just played Saddam and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marketing this movie. I guess if you made it now, it would be, well, now there's even more pedigree with the Coens. So I think you would hammer home that the Coens made it. And then, but from a, like a trailer perspective, I guess I would just hammer uh, John Goodman. Just show him going crazy because yeah. I otherwise don't know how else you would. Because I think another movie 
that kind of follows the same formula. We were talking about PT Anderson earlier is inherent vice. It's also, yes. I think that was an LA movie. It must've been, it must've been an LA movie, yeah. um, but it has all the same things where the Joaquin Phoenix characters kind of like the dude and he's stumbling into this crazy, but that one to me was so boring. It was like a slog to get. Yeah. I didn't, that. I did not vibe with that movie. My brother Ryan really likes it. He really, Ryan's on the same wavelength as Paul Thomas Anderson. Like he likes all of his movies. I don't ever quite click with them really, but like I, I'd say Hansel and Zoolander, like the fact that he's making them, like I really respect that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Inherent Vice is an, is identical to this movie, but it's just not, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. That's it's really the only PT Anderson movie. I don't, I'm a big PT Anderson fan. Yeah. Um, but that one, did nothing for me i should maybe try it again but it took me like two three times to get through it even it was just like oh my god there's nothing funny nothing happening in this so you know this movie but without the humor is a little dull like yes and it's like i like kiss kiss pain bane similar but that for me there's too much plot in kiss kiss pain bane that's why i like the nice guys more because yes. the plot doesn't matter at all in that one it is just watch russell crowe and ryan gosling just do shtick but I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because it's it's great. But yeah, it's like the plot keeps getting in, in the way of what makes the movie work, which is just like the vibe. <laughs> like the, yeah. Just the general, Tarantino calls them the hangout movies. Movies you just like to go and hang out with the characters for like two hours. Like Howard Hawks movies and a lot of Tarantino movies too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what this one, right. I would, I think if you were to market this now, it would be the three lead start. Like, hey, you know these three guys. Yeah. Look at the funny scenes with them. And I know it's like, would you say in the trailer, like, what if an idiot was in a PI? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, well, see, now well, movies are so different now that it's like this, if this got made, it would solely be on the pedigree of the directors. And then it would probably have to go like right to a streaming service. Yes, it would just be a thumbnail. You know these guys. Click on this. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah so that makes sense why it didn't really make but the money. movie doesn't work if you know these guys. There's like it works. Too. Like we know these guys now, but like the movie doesn't I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's again, I think that's why it's not quite lightning in a bottle, but it is like it was made at such a specific time and it works so well. It obviously wasn't right exactly for the time it came out because it didn't resonate immediately, but. But it became a cult classic like pretty, pretty early because yeah. when I saw it in 04 or 05, it was a well-known movie at that point. So it was yeah. probably shortly after it came out on DVD or, you know, or, or VHS at the time. Um, no one saw it, but the people who, everyone who saw it liked it. Yeah. Like to me, that it's like one of those movies. Like I've read, like I've gone on Letterboxd and I've seen what the bad reviews are for this movie and none of them have any merit. <laughs> They're yeah. all wrong. They're all just wrong. Like it's all right. people who don't, it's like, you will never see Valhalla. Like you don't understand, like you missed the point. And then you, and I'll, I'll invariably go to see their other reviews. And it's like, Oh yeah, you don't, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You just want something right. completely different out of cinema than you should get. But like everyone who sees it likes it because it's just, um, Yeah. It's a movie for the people. It's a bunch of weird, exaggerated misfits just making their way through complicated events. And it's just like, it's just fun to see them exist. Um, it's a movie for all ages. 
and they're saying the funniest things ever written and recorded on film and a lot of great physical comedy in between as well. And it, and as we said, it looks way better than that sort of movie normally looks because Roger Deakins was the cinematographer and the Coen brothers made it. And uh, yeah, it's just an all time favorite of mine. I absolutely love, like we said, top 10 for at least top 10 for each of us, maybe even top five for you. I think so, so if you've never seen this movie, you have got to watch this movie. It is, I think the funniest movie ever made. It's at least one of the five funniest movies ever made. And like I said, it usually uh, streams on Netflix, Showtime, or Peacock. It's kind of revolving around those yeah. three. Some, it's on Tubi sometimes as well. Yeah. Don't so worry about the plot. Just oh yeah, just just vibe with it. Just like give in to its rhythm, and you'll be fine. You'll yeah. just you'll enjoy it. No one understands the plot of the Big Lebowski. It's fine. That's not the point. That's not the point of the movie. Yeah. So either watch this, rewatch this, whatever you want to do. And thank you very much for listening to this. Happy New Year to all. And we'll be back for season four already, Danny. So we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. I want to sell your death sticks. I don't want to sell your death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.